Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the content in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. Welcome to Catholic Baltimore. I'm George Matisek, Digital Editor for the Archdiocese of Baltimore. Our guest today is Father William Saunders, author of a new book called Celebrating a Holy Catholic Easter, a guide to the customs and devotions of Lent and the season of Christ's resurrection. Father Saunders is the founding pastor of Our Lady of Hope Catholic Church in Potomac Falls in the Diocese of Arlington, Virginia, where he continues to serve. Here's our interview with Father Saunders. Father Saunders, welcome to Catholic Baltimore. Well, thank you for having me. It's great to have you. I I had a chance to read your new book, Celebrating a Holy Catholic Easter, and it's just filled with so many nuggets of information about the the various traditions of Lent and Easter. We've just entered the Lenten season with Ash Wednesday, so a lot of our listeners may be attuned to some of the Mardi Gras festivities that have become popular. Oh, sure. In your book, you talk about this period being known as the Shrovetide, which is actually connected more to confession and penance than partying. Could you tell us about that, what the Shrovetide is? Well, Shrovetide is just that period where we're trying to shrive our sins or shrive ourselves from bad practices and things like that. Shrovetide is technically the week before Lent. It was a way to prepare so oftentimes the fasting periods and the regulations were very strict. So this was a time to have your last big festival. So they would use up all their meat and dairy products and things like that. This is actually where we get the idea of Shrove Tuesday, having pancakes. Many parishes do that. But the idea is to clean out the house in a way so that Lent then becomes a real time of penance. And the focus then is on the prayer, the fasting, and the almsgiving. And as we know, Lent begins with Ash Wednesday. And one one thing I've noticed, and many people have noticed over the years, that on Ash Wednesday, the churches are really packed. Even though it's not a holy day of obligation in the Catholic Church, you still have Catholics just flocking to Mass that day. Why do you think that is? Why is that day so popular? Priests usually say it's because we're giving away something free, (laughs) (laughs) meaning ashes. But I think people have a desire to begin again, and that's what Lent is. The word itself even comes from the Anglo-Saxon roots of spring, lengthen. So it's the idea of beginning again. But what's important is not receiving the ashes. It's about living the meaning. So Lent is that time where we take a good look at ourselves to do that good examination and try to do better so that we can rise again with the Lord at Easter as a new person. And where do we get the ashes? You talk about that in your book. Where do the ashes Well, ashes we get from the dried-out palms from the previous Palm Sunday. Mm -hmm. So at my church, we do collect them, bring people, bring them in. We do burn them and grind them down to make the ashes that we then use for Ash Wednesday. So it's a good way of disposing of the old dried-out palm branches, too. Mm-hmm. During that service, during the liturgy, the ashes are applied to the forehead. What is the symbolism behind that? 
Well, of course, the it's it's made in the sign of a cross. So the priest or deacon will impose the ashes, making the sign of the cross. Of course, the idea of the ashes is very biblical, that it was always a sign in the Old Testament of repentance from sin and a seeking to change one's life as well as to heal hurts caused by sin. The significance on the forehead is really because that's where our mind is, our intellect, we could say. When we were baptized, the priest made the sign of the cross on our forehead. At confirmation, the bishop made the sign of the cross with holy chrism on our forehead. So it's the idea of claiming us for Christ. So in the prayers, we're reminded that, one, that we repent and believe in the gospel. And we also remember that we are dust to dust, that we shall return. We are mortals here to serve our Lord, but with the hopes of sharing everlasting life in heaven. In your book, you describe beer and pretzels as being the official foods of Lent, and a lot of people might not be aware of that. How did that come to be that pretzels and beer became associated with Lent? Well, it's a fun little thing. Again, in the old days, so we're going back to the Middle Ages, that because dairy products, eggs, and so on were excluded as part of the fast, that they used water, flour, and salt to make this special little Lenten bread. So this originated in Italy, according to Snyder's of Hanover, mm-hmm. Pennsylvania. <laughs> and a little monk rolled these into little thin strips and then crisscrossed them to make like arms. So if you can imagine or picture crossing your arms on your chest over each other, sort of like making an X, that would be like the principle. And the three holes were to represent the Holy Trinity. So these became called little arms. So bracella is the Latin word for a little arm. And then the German word was bretzel, and somehow it got mutated into a pretzel. So then it became more popular because the monks would distribute these to the poor, especially, also give them to children who could uh, recite their prayers. In the 1500s, there's a legend that when the Austria, or the tradition, I should say, when the Turks were trying to invade Austria, the monks were heard digging in the basement of their monastery, and the Turks were trying to dig a tunnel to get through the fortifications. So they alerted the guards and so on. They saved the city, and so the emperor actually gave the monks a coat of arms with a pretzel on it. Mm -hmm. And then eventually there's another story where a monk dozed off and the pretzels became hard-baked, and now we have our hard-baked pretzels. It's always been part of our little Lenten tradition. And then, of course, beer was a very good, hearty drink. And again, because people weren't allowed the, the dairy products that, and even other happy drinks, one could say, that they used beer, which was good with carbohydrates and nutrients, to sustain themselves. It kept the monks happy, so beer and pretzels. That's great. And of course, you mentioned the three traditional practices of Lent are prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. And confession always has an element to play during Lent. Uh, Catholics are encouraged to go to confession during the Lenten season. Here in the Archdiocese of Baltimore, we have set aside March 30th as a day when parishes can offer special hours for confession, and a lot of dioceses around the country are doing similar campaigns. 
what mm-hmm. advice would you have for someone who's been away from the sacrament for a while, or how should they think about coming back? Well, I would say the first thing is don't be afraid. I've had people during Lent especially who may have been away from confession for years, even 30 years. And I always tell them, first of all, it's so good that they are there to be at confession. And that's important. The priest is there to help. He is there to reconcile the sinner. He's there to give the spiritual guidance to help this person draw closer to our Lord. So that's the first thing, not to be afraid. Secondly, to really make a good examination of conscience. Too often times we can become superficial in our examination, like I was impatient or things like that. And that's good, but we need to go deeper and also look at the omissions. What have I not done? What good did I not do that I could have done? We think especially in dealing with loved ones. How did I neglect loved ones? So we do that good examination. I would encourage people, even if it means because of the length of time, writing things down on a piece of paper. Of course, that would they keep that, they would destroy it. But to have that so they don't get too nervous. Mm-hmm. They could come in even with a format, and that's even in my book here, and I'm sure parishes provide the basic format for making a confession. And then just pray to the Holy Spirit for that enlightenment and fortitude so that when the person goes into confession, they'll do the best that they can to pour out their soul, but then open their soul and receive the graces of God. That's the key. But this is a sacrament. You know, this isn't just a counseling session or anything like that. This is a sacrament, and the grace of God will rekindle the beautiful fire of his love that may have been doused or just sort of just been suffocated over so many years of neglect. But it's wonderful to see that. And the priest, again, he's there to listen. He's there to give good advice and to encourage. But most importantly, he represents Christ. And when he imparts those words of absolution, Christ is doing that. And all that sin is gone. That's what's important. And I always tell people, especially those who have committed some serious sins or have been away, what's important is not so much what has been confessed, but what happens now when you walk out the door. How, what kind of life do you lead now? And so many people uh, tell me that they feel so renewed and relieved and, and overjoyed that they can come back to the church in that way. It's a, it's a marvelous opportunity. Uh, you point oh, out yes. in your book that Lent isn't all gloom and doom, as some people might think uh, of Lent, yeah. the Lenten period. Can you tell us about two special feasts during the Lenten period? Yes. Uh, one special feast is March 19th, which is the Solemnity of St. Joseph, the patron saint for the Universal Church. Of course, he's the foster father of our Savior. So that's a great day, and we're free of all of our Lenten fasting or whatever we gave up, it's a day to truly celebrate. And in my book, there's a little St. Joseph's Table prayer service. This is a practice that's originated in Italy sometime in the Middle Ages. In Sicily, they were having a a drought, which was causing starvation, and they implored St. Joseph's help. And an abundance of rain came, the crops were saved, and so on. So they started the practice of having a St. Joseph's table. In my parish, 
we will have special vespers that night with the choir. Then downstairs we have a nice big table with a spread of things like cannolis and pastries and all these kinds of things, but it's a way to celebrate. And then same is true with March 25th, which is the Feast of the Annunciation. Here again, we're free of all of our Lenten penances and fastings and things like that. It's interesting that in Sweden, this is also known as Waffle Day because there's a, and I'm not going to pronounce the Swedish right, but Our Lady's Day, the Annunciation, is called Varfrudagen, and Waffle is Vafeldagen, and somehow they combined the two, so <laughs> it's, a, it's a tradition that you have waffles. So it's important that, you know, in our Catholic spirituality, we take things very seriously, we go to penance, we do fasting and almsgiving and so on, but you also have time to really rejoice in the Lord. Our guest today is Father William Saunders. He's the author of a new book called Celebrating a Holy Catholic Easter, A Guide to the Customs and Devotions of Lent and the Season of Christ's Resurrection. You're listening to Catholic Baltimore. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about some of the traditions of Holy Week with Father Saunders. I'm George Matisek. We'll be back in a moment. Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have The Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to the Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice-a-week updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android and follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today in print and online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. For 143 years, New Cathedral Cemetery has served the needs of the Catholic community of Baltimore and Central Maryland. New Cathedral is the only cemetery owned by the Archdiocese of Baltimore and is the final resting place for many religious orders and famous citizens. 125 acres of rolling hills, trees, and beautiful monuments, the cemetery is an oasis of peace and tranquility and is located off Edmondson Avenue just outside of Catonsville. New Cathedral is dedicated to the task of tending to the mortal remains of our dearly departed and has many more years of available space. If you are in need of a burial site, vault, monument, or marker, or just a respectful location to place your cremated loved ones, our counselors will help you through this process and make sure the wishes of you and your loved ones are honored. Visit us online at newcathedralcemetery.org, like us on Facebook at New Cathedral Cemetery Bonnie Bray, or call 410-566-7770. You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Welcome back to Catholic Baltimore. I'm George Matisek. Our guest today is Father William Saunders, and we've been talking about his new book, Celebrating a Holy Catholic Easter, A Guide to the Customs and Devotions of Lent and the Season of Christ's Resurrection. Father, in our last segment, we talked about Lent, which is the period of preparation for Easter, and Holy Week actually starts with Passion Sunday, which is more commonly known as Palm Sunday. 
What does Palm Sunday actually commemorate? Well, Palm Sunday is the day where we remember Jesus coming into Jerusalem. We read in the Gospels how there was that crowd and they cheer Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They have palm branches, they wave them, they put them down, and our Lord officially comes in. He's coming in because this is now the climax of his mission. He's going to be offering himself as the sacrifice for our sins. In the churches, we then have the beginning of Mass, blessing the palm branches, and then during the Mass, we have the reading of the Passion which really gives an overview of what happens during Holy Week. So it recounts what happens Holy Thursday at the Last Supper, then the crucifixion of our Lord, and it ends with his death. So it's a beautiful way to set the stage. And then as we proceed on, we have Spy Wednesday. So we're remembering in our Gospels for the weekdays how this is when Judas went to the priests of the temple and asked what would they give him to hand over Jesus, and they paid him the 30 pieces of silver. It's always a time when we can ask ourselves, what, do we, what would we sell Jesus for? So it's that last little urge of repentance for ourselves. Then we move on, and we have Holy Thursday. In the morning, there's the Chrism Mass, where people will gather with all the priests of the diocese and the bishop, and the bishop blesses the holy oils. First, I should say that the priests renew their vows, which is very beautiful to see all these priests renewing their vows in front of the bishop. We should be praying for our parish priests especially, that they may be faithful, good servants of our Lord. Then the bishop blesses the three oils that we use, the oil of catechumens, the oil of the sick, and then the Holy Chrism. Of course, that night then, we begin what's called the Sacred Triduum. So Holy Thursday, we have the Mass of the Lord's Supper. Here we remember the institution of both the Holy Eucharist and also the priesthood. Christ ordained his apostles at that Last Supper, giving them the mandate so that they were called to do this in remembrance of him, that they were to love one another and to serve. Here we have the in the ritual for Holy Thursday, the feet washing ceremony, where after the gospel, the pastor will wash the feet of 12 individuals that represent the 12 apostles. Holy Thursday begins the Holy Triduum in that the Mass begins, and as we go through it, we come to a point where after communion, the Blessed Sacrament will be taken to a place of reposition. But the Mass really isn't really ending. It's like this constant flow, then flowing into Good Friday. One other thing I'd like to mention for Holy Thursday is to really focus on the Holy Eucharist. During that time of adoration, from usually around 9 to midnight in most churches. We have that remembering Jesus' three hours in the Garden of Gethsemane to remember the beautiful gift of the Eucharist, that this is Jesus sharing with us his body, blood, soul, and divinity. Moving on, Good Friday, of course, we remember the passion and death of our Lord. We think of why he died, 
you know, he suffered for us. And we look at our world, and we see the suffering, and we see the sin. So our Lord took that upon himself. Good Friday's not a Mass. Good Friday's the one time we do not have Mass. The Eucharist that we receive during the liturgy has been consecrated the night before at the Holy Thursday Mass. But this is, again, a beautiful service where we have the reading of the Passion, the special intercessions, the veneration of the cross, and then the reception of communion. Again, there's no real ending because then that leads us to the next day where we have the Easter Vigil, the first Mass of Easter, and here we welcome the new people into our church through the sacraments of baptism, confirmation, and Holy Eucharist. You had mentioned the Christmas Mass, which is usually celebrated on Holy Thursday, but here in the Archdiocese yes. of Baltimore, just because of the, the size of the geography of the Archdiocese, we celebrate that on, on Monday of Holy Week. And oh. it really is a, a wonderful opportunity for people to come. I, I've been going for the last 20 years or so, and it's a, a great moment. If people, I encourage people to come out. It's one of the forgotten moments of Holy Week, I think, but if people could make mm-hmm. time to come to the Cathedral and marry our Queen that day, it, it's, a, it's a great liturgy. And there's a moment when the bishop breathes over the chrism. Could you tell us about that, mm-hmm. the significance of that? Well, he's breathing into the chrism because this is an oil that's used in our sacraments that really are part of the, you could say, giving of new life. That in chrism, it is used in baptism and also in confirmation, and then also the holy orders. Mm-hmm. So it symbolizes the coming of the Holy Spirit to consecrate this oil and to signify the life-giving, sanctifying nature and then also of these sacraments in which it is used. These sacraments also leave indelible marks on the soul, that sacred character. Here we recall, too, how Jesus, on the night of Easter, appeared to his apostles, the risen Lord, and he breathed on them. He said, receive the Holy Spirit. So when the bishop does this, he's breathing on that oil. But as he says the consecratory prayer, all the priests are extending their hands out, just like they do at the Holy at Mass when there's a con celebration. So it's really the authority that's being, say, bestowed, this beautiful apostolic authority upon this oil that's going to be used in these sacraments that gives us new life, that gives us the special grace and leaves the special sacred seal upon our souls. We have about 30 seconds left. Uh, in the secular world, Easter is about Easter bunnies and candy and all that that kind of stuff, but ultimately it's about Christ's resurrection. Uh, what kind of advice would you have for Catholics to remind themselves of that fact that, that Easter is about the resurrection? Definitely make the Holy Triduum holy. Go to Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Easter Sunday services. You can have the special foods. Some parishes have the blessing of foods on Saturday morning. That's wonderful. And have other special foods like the Easter breads, things, Easter eggs. It's a beautiful way to remember what Easter is about. Father William Saunders, author of Celebrating a Holy Catholic Easter, thanks so much for being here on Catholic Baltimore. Well, thank you for having me. It was great. We've been speaking with Father William Saunders, author of Celebrating a Holy Catholic Easter, a guide to the customs and devotions of Lent and the season of Christ's resurrection. 
As we mentioned earlier, the Archdiocese will be offering a Day of Reconciliation on Monday, March 30th. Many parishes throughout the Archdiocese will be open that day to offer special opportunities for the Sacrament of Reconciliation. Again, that date is Monday, March 30th, and you can check your parish for more information. Also, be sure to check out archbalt.org slash Lent. Again, that's archbalt.org slash Lent, where you can find Lenten podcast information about parish fish fries, other events, news stories, commentary, video, and much more to help you celebrate a holy Lenten season. Again, that address is archbalt.org slash Lent. For Catholic Baltimore, I'm George Matisek. Thanks for listening. Life can be hard, and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone. When faced with problems, know that there is a group of Catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, waiting to lift you and your needs to God in prayer. This ministry is comprised of men and women, young and old, religious and lay, from every ethnic and cultural background. They pray as individuals and in groups, in homes and meeting spaces throughout Baltimore. Like you, they are people who have suffered the same hurts, fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator, who would be happy to speak with you. Child abuse is not only a crime, it's also a sin. The Archdiocese of Baltimore has long made the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through rigorous training and background checks, and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese's efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless us and keep us always in his love.